Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So praise God, I've been getting a lot of questions during the week, so I want to just jump right in. Um, Let me pose some questions that I've gotten this week to you, and we'll see how we go. We're going to be in module 12.2 page, so you want to get your ministry manual out. We're going to be on page 12.2 to start, and we'll also do some reference in the Breaking Free book uh, this week as well. One of the questions I had this week is, how come sometimes when we pray for someone we don't seem to see freedom happen. So what is a blocker to freedom in a person's life? Unforgiveness is one, what else? They don't want it, so free will, right? If you don't engage your free will, right, then then you're really, you're fighting against a gift that was given to us from the Lord. So a willingness, bitterness, unforgiveness, Anger, how about, so you're talking about sin, those are places where if a person has sin in their life, that's a door that'll block and hinder, right? Unforgiveness, bitterness, because he was told us in Matthew chapter six, if you'll forgive, you'll be forgiven, but if you refuse to forgive, the Father will not forgive you. So we've seen a major blockage is if there's sin, even in a believer's life, there's unforgiveness that's hindering, but what about the big one? What about salvation? If you're not saved, I mean, from a baseline point of view, so let's, uh, let me have you turn right away. Turn with me to Acts chapter 19, and let's look at a familiar set of scriptures if you've been around this a, a bit. This is Paul's third missionary journey, and he's in Corinth, and he comes to this place. Look at verse 13. Acts chapter 19, and beginning in verse 13. There are a group of Jews who were traveling from town to town and they were casting out evil spirits. So these are Jewish exorcists who are casting out demons. Just like many different churches, you know, there's certain people that are even in the Catholic denomination that are assigned as the exorcists. Have you ever seen the movie? It's more more like Hollywood than, and there's other things that we won't go into right now on that. But let's look at this. Acts uh, 19.13 says, these Jews were traveling and they were casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Now seven sons of Sceva, one of the leading priests was doing this But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? This is not gonna go well. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence they fled from the house naked and battered. So when you think about this, first, it's a little bit comical. They're, They're ripped naked, seven guys, one against seven, but what's the key takeaway? They did not know Jesus, right? They were using the name, and there are people that will use the name, but there is no ownership of the one who is the name. Unless you're born again, unless you have the spirit of Christ in you, you do not have authority on certain levels. Now, obviously this was a different level. 
We know this from Mark chapter 9. Remember, Jesus comes off the Mount of Transfiguration with the three big guys, Peter, James, and John. The other nine are at the base of the hill. There's a child that's been possessed. We don't know why, but obviously there's something going on. The father brings the, the possessed child to, to the disciples, and they are unable to cast the demon out. And the father's beside himself, and Jesus has a really, you guys are looking at me strange. Turn with me to, I I think you know this story. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Okay, Mark 9, let's go there. Let's begin in verse 14. Mark 9, 14. When they returned to the other disciples, this is after the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus comes off the mount. His father's spoken. They've seen Elijah and Moses. I mean, the three guys, right? Peter wants to build tabernacles. Like, we got, whoa! And Peter and John actually talk about this before, their de- before Peter's death. He talks about the time on the mount. We saw him. We were there. We were eyewitnesses to this. So this thing was a major event. Can you imagine coming off the mountain, and then Jesus like, whew, comes down and then he's got back down on the valley. We got some business to do and it's not going well for the boys in the valley here. When they arrived, verse 14, when they returned, the disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some of the teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. All this arguing is going, teacher, we brought my son, verse 17, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And wherever the spirit seizes him, it throws him into violence on the ground. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So he asked the disciples to cast the evil spirit out, but they could not do it. Now, this is probably one of the most annoyed times in Jesus' experience with his disciples. Listen to the response. Jesus says to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? Right? How, 12-2. We're in chapter nine, Katie. What must I do? Bring the boy to me. Verse 20. So they brought the boy with the evil spirit. They saw Jesus. As soon as the evil spirit sees Jesus, it throws the child into a violent convulsion. He falls to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. One of the tactics of the devil is to distract. That's, there's a lot of Hollywood drama going on right here. Jesus is not very moved by all that. He's really upset that I gave you power and authority over all power of darkness. You didn't exercise it, therefore you're faithless, and I'm really annoyed at you. That's what he's saying, honestly. And so he's saying to them, bring the boy to me. Now the father then interchanges with Jesus. He says, how long has this been happening, Jesus replied. Now you got the drama going on. Don't be distracted. How long has this been going on, Father? He replies, since a little boy, the spirit throws him into the fire or the water, tries to kill him. So now you have a murdering spirit. You have a tormenting spirit. There's a lot going on, and there's more than one demon. So this is a pretty high-level demon. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, Jesus says, if I can? Anything is possible to a person who believes. So this is a lot about faith. What do you believe? Do you believe Jesus is big enough to do this? And are you believing that you are in Jesus who is the big one? If not, and we've, been, we've experienced this on the mission field, there were times when, do we really have authority over, over this? And as we've got become more and more understanding of it's not about us, right? I've shared this before. The mouse and the elephant, they're going across the bridge. 
and the mouse turns to the elephant is, man, we really shook that thing, didn't we? You didn't shake anything, but he did. And so what Jesus is trying to get the, across to his guys here is, look, I gave you authority, and I'm really annoyed that you're not exercising it by faith. So then he does it. The father he exchanges that all things are possible. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebukes the evil spirit. He doesn't coddle it. Listen, the spirit makes the boy unable to hear or speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. The spirit screams, throws the boy into another violent convulsion. There's the drama, distracting. The boy appeared to be dead. We had that same experience in Tanzania. Pastor Willie will tell you, he was like, oh my gosh, she's not breathing. It's like, and every, he, the crowd says, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, helped him up to his feet. He stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house, the disciples asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Great question. You're obviously annoyed. We need a little after action report here. Tell us, how come we missed this, right? Jesus replies, he says, this kind, this kind. So there are different kinds. This kind is cast out only by prayer. Two other of the gospels say prayer and fasting, right? Which Jesus did neither. But he had a fasted life and he had a prayer life and he brought that in to that place and he exercised that authority but then he teaches the guys, look, this kind, this is gonna require you to have faith and prayer in a fasted lifestyle when you engage this kind of level of darkness. And so faith really matters. But ownership, the point I'm getting here, when you go back to the Acts 19 picture of this, in Acts 19, I don't know you. The demon knows who belongs to Jesus. That's why when Jesus walks in the church and in the temple, he goes, the demon screams out and says, thou son of God, why have you come here to torment us before our times? Now the rest of the congregation doesn't know. They think he's the carpenter that's visiting. But the demon knows. And so, that's why when you operate in the, revel, in the revelation of this, one, faith matters. He's big, and you need to be marked by that presence in order to, because who can overcome? Remember Matthew 12 last week? Matthew 12, Jesus says to the disciples and also to the Pharisees, they accuse him of being the prince of demons. He can cast out this demon because he's actually the head of all the demons. And Jesus says, what are you, some kind of, you're crazy, right? It's like, how can a house divided stand? No. So we see this in the presence of the strong man. Someone stronger than the strong man that's present in the house needs to be there, and his name is Jesus. And then we become the authority in that. So when we start to look at, the, the question was, well, how come we don't have authority over this? Well, because one, either the person is not saved there is no ownership, or the person trying to do the ministry does not have faith in who they are, right? Because that's the only place where the strong man, Jesus, by the delegation of the authority given to you, can operate in this house. And we have seen that over and over again. So it's really important, if there's sin in the person's life, that's a blocker, gives access to darkness, but if you are unsaved, that's why you never ever try to do deliverance on an unsaved person. If they, we have people, well, you know, I've been, been grandma raised me in the church. That, I didn't ask you that question. Does Jesus have ownership of your life? Well, yeah, I was baptized. I didn't ask you that question. 
So this has to be, that's why when Jesus deals with the children's bread discussion, right, he goes to the house of Israel, and the woman, the Syrophoenician woman whose child is possessed, when, he come, when she comes to Jesus, says, my daughter's possessed at home, please. He goes, I've come to the house, the children, the house of Israel now. That isn't gonna happen until after the resurrection when the Gentiles are invited in to the kingdom. But because of her faith, she says, yeah, but master, even the dogs get some crumbs under the table. I'll be a dog if you'll let me just come under your table. He goes, wow, you've spoken well. She's delivered, and that's a remote deliverance. He never lays hands on her, and she goes home in the same hour. When did this happen? The same, same hour that he said that. So again, faith matters, and declaration of ownership matters, and sin patterns matter. So anytime you're dealing with struggles with this, um, in the case in Mark chapter five with the demoniac with thousands of demons, there's arguments between whether it's 2,000, 3,000, 6,000, I don't know, a legion. I've heard numbers between 3,000 and 6,000. Turn with me there for a moment. Go to Mark chapter five. Just turn back a couple pages. In Mark five, I want you to see this. The man is really, really demonized. He's that one who's breaking chains. He's howling at night. He's, the people are afraid. He runs around naked in the, in the cemeteries. And they're just like breaking chains. So obviously there's some high level stuff going on here and there's multiple we know. And Jesus prays more than once. So don't get discouraged sometimes when you're praying for someone and you don't see immediate results either. Look at this, if, it, if the Son of God had to pray more than once, there could be multiplication of, he, he even did that in healing. Remember the guy who was blind, who could only see the first time, he says, Jesus, what do you see? I see men like trees. He prayed a second time, and the blindness left. So don't get discouraged when it's like, well, I have to pray more than once. If Jesus prayed more than once, I think we're on pretty good grounds. So let's look at that. He says, verse six, when Jesus was still some distance away, so he gets off the boat, and, and the man sees him, the demonized man with all the critters sees him and runs to meet him, bows low before him. Well, I want you to see this. This is where free will, where Bruce said, unless the person wants to be engaged, but a person's free will who wants to get to the feet of Jesus, there aren't enough demons in hell to stop that from happening. You gotta remember that, because that's that place where the free will, that gift is given. So th- there's a lot of uh, turmoil going around in this guy's house, right? But hey, it says, he runs to meet him, bows low before him, I love that. He honors, the, he, in humility, the demon can't stop even bowing him to Jesus. With a shriek, he screams, why are you interfering with us? Now the demon's speaking. Jesus, son of the most high God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture us. Now the authority level comes out. 6,000 critters there, and they're already begging Jesus, Don't torture us. Don't torment me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. But it didn't all come, or at least some level of them didn't all come out. Jesus demands, what's your name? He replies, my name's Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirit begged him again and again, don't send us to some distant place. I believe this is a territorial spirit, and they knew that if they got cast out and sent to some distant dark place, they were gonna wander and be in dark places because they wanna be in a host. They wanna either be in a human or they wanna be in an animal. So, well, this is really wise of Jesus. If you've ever had a number of uh, high-level 
demonic activity. People have been in satanic ritual abuse, blood sacrifice. There are levels of that darkness that are there and authorized, either especially as children. There's a level there that you can spend a whole lot of time. This is really wise. They, Jesus gives them permission to go. He says, there's, there's some pigs over there. We don't want to get cast into another region, so can we go into the pigs? And so there's no drama. I give you permission. Go. Man, because if not, we've spent sometimes nine, I think we did one was 12 hours, rocking and rolling before we understood a whole lot of stuff, rolling around and all that. Like, wait a minute. We now know tying up a strong man is forgiveness, confession, salvation. That ties us, and the longer you spend, when I did this prostitute witch in Demonica, uh, she was a Macumba witch in um, Belém, Brazil. We knew because of her manifestations, she tore churches up when she would manifest during worship. We knew that if we jumped right into casting out a lot of stuff, it was gonna get dramatic. And so we just go real slow, and we said, who do you need to forgive? Forgive the John, forgive the pimp, forgive the people who beat you up, those who put you into witchcraft. One by one, as we carefully walked right up to that line and asked Otha to forgive and to confess. And every time we get to that place where it looked like they were going, we'd, peace, good job, Otha. In the name of Jesus, anyone else that you'd like to forgive? And she'd think about it, and we'd walk that line for hours, recognizing we don't want the drama. So what Jesus does here is really telling. He gives them permission, and there's no drama. And they go in, and I, I love it. Then we have the first deviled ham, right? They jump off a cliff, and, and they're at that place, right? It's the first time we got it, right? I don't, I don't like deviled ham. I, don't, I, I do not like it, praise God. And so 2,000 pigs jump off the hillside, and now the, all the people are like freaked out, and they see the guy fully clothed, and they're afraid. I love what Bill Johnson says. So when the guy was naked, bra- breaking all the chains and howling at night, you're not afraid, but the guy's in his right mind sitting there clothed, and now you're afraid? <laughs> Something's wrong with that picture. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, so, and he becomes the evangelist that actually leads lots of people. He wants to go with Jesus. No, go tell everybody. You're such a renowned figure. When they see you, they're going to say, what happened? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus, right? But I, I want you to see the picture here. That, so the, the, a long answer to the question, but what authorizes it? Jesus. Who's the ownership? Jesus. That's why Unless you know a person is born again, don't go messing with it. And if stuff is still happening in the place of that, the personal house of the individual or the place where there's space, their living quarters, if that stuff, there's something that's authorized it to be there and there's some ownership issues going on. And that's why we don't dive into that. We learned a hard way, right, Ms. Pat? I, sir, yeah, thank you. No questions here uh, about that. And so... I'm just messing with you. We, we've, had, we've had situations where people said, well, come on over. And, and, uh, in fact, we had a person who did not own the house. Their friend was having all this activity in their house, and they said, well, come and cast this stuff out. Of my, my mom does this all the time in Brazil, right? So come on. Come. So she goes over there and starts working on the house. And all of a sudden, what happens? It's stuff back, back, things are flying. Like, whoa, who owns the house? The legal side of it, legally, who's in charge of this house? And what's the, who's, 
the people in the house, are they born again? What doors are open? Is there all sorts of sin and activity going on in the house? If not, you can make this a whole lot worse. I don't jump into that, and I am not motivated to do that until let's get first things first, right? And usually what happens is the devil overplays his hand. He's tormenting people, and they're finally at the point, I don't want this anymore. Yay, you get to a place where I want to surrender to Jesus, right? Okay, so that was a really good question this week we had. Um, So let's jump in now on page 12-2. I want to make a correction there in E. That should be Isaiah 61.3, not 63.3, typo. But I want you to see that a demon, when a demon's present, we're going to look at how do you know if someone's struggling? Well, sometimes it's real obvious, sometimes it's not. One of the things we know about the demonic activity, they like to take cover for a strategic advantage. They will wait until they can do maximum damage. If, he's, if, they, if they're oppressing a pastor, they'll wait till a pastor rises to some level and then they'll manifest. Spirit of lust or adultery. When you look at when the houses, right? Because we can scatter the shepherd, right? So there's, there, there's that, there's a places. So sometimes they don't want to be uncovered. So they will take advantage and they'll push other things up they'll look symptomatic in their lifestyle. Maybe depression, despair, suicide, discouragement. Those can be demonic but they'll look like something else. So, so let's look here, under B. A demon can push the host person repeatedly into sin and habits. Let's take a case of uh, addiction. A person who opens the door to alcohol, drugs, I don't think they, mo- they wake up and say, I can't wait to become an alcoholic or a drug addicted person. That's not their, it, that's not, but they start dabbling for whatever reason, it could be just partying, or it could be to medicate pain. could be a legitimate thing. They start taking pain pills, and all of a sudden, they're in a place. That becomes a spirit of addiction. Why is it my friend in uh, Spain, who runs Battelle Ministry, their recovery rates for heroin addicts and the prostitutes are almost, I think it's 10 or 15% higher than the natural uh, organizations in Spain. And so... In fact, they went to study Battelle. We were there several times, did, did ministry on several hundred of their, believer, of their leaders, all of them ex-heroin addicts, prostitutes. Bro- we, we saw folks there like, this is a really rough crowd. Tattoos, not a lot of teeth, scars, and like, wow, they, this is their ministry team. They're awesome looking folk, right? They've been through some stuff. And when we did it, we had 250 of their key leaders. And when we did the portion of the repentance and confession, hours, and we heard stuff in that that we had not heard a lot of before. Let's just put it that way. So they wanted to know why is it that the recidivation rate for heroin and drug addicts is less for those in your ministry than we're spending millions of Spanish dollars trying to understand how to get these people free. But in your Casa de Chica and Casa de Hombres, where my daughter Laura, after she was with Heidi, went there and became one of the people who helped the heroin addict prostitutes get delivered. I'm like, my 21-year-old daughter's over doing what? Right? I called her one night in Spain. She's got six. She says, Dad, right now we're detoxing two heroin addicts. I gotta go. I said, oh my gosh, what's my little girl up to? You know? They do this through the Holy Spirit. No no weaning off and all that. I'm not opposed to any of it. Whatever works, right? So so they went and they studied this. They actually sent a, uh, a reporter 
to find out why, and they assigned him to Battelle Ministries, and the first night, I love this, they actually wrote a book, um, it's called the, one, they wrote several books about it, but one was We Dance Because We Cannot Fly, I'd love you to read that, they have it translated from Spanish to English, the other one is The uh, Rescue House on the Edge of Hell, we went, now this is crazy, I don't, you know, we're headed in that direction as a nation, which I totally oppose, but anyway, they have this place where outside of Madrid, they call them the drug camps, and they've got people with AK-47s guarding block houses filled with drugs. You can drive in there and get any drug you want. You can use drugs in there. We just don't want you using it in city. We don't want you robbing people and doing stuff on the street, so go do your stuff here so they allow them to be there. People drive in in their Mercedes, and a few months later, they're driving nothing, and they're sitting there. I saw the most ugly thing. I saw a woman, must have been seven months pregnant, sitting there with a heroin needle sticking outside her arm, pregnant. I'm thinking, my God, this is hell. Heroin needles everywhere. It was the most perverted, ugly place. I could feel all the demonic activity there. And yet, so there's this place where they go there and the, the rescue center on the edge of hell, they set up and they give them food and water and medicines and come, come to our houses, come to our houses. Well, the reporter He's with them for several months trying to figure out how do they do this? It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the engaged will of the Holy Spirit in the individual praying and having them, they're required to go to church, to be involved, to be in family, to be part of the institution of being set free. And so one night, the reporter's there and every, he's one of the largest evangelical churches in Madrid. It's beautiful. And one night, they got their band, they got all their folks, which is all, you know, the people have come out of them, and they start music, and all of a sudden the team gets up and they're all dancing. So you got these ex-drug addicts, several of them have AIDS, actually dying of stuff that's like, and they're worshiping, and the guy's trying to figure it out. And he turns to the, his name, I don't know what it means in Spanish, the thick one, he says, what are you doing? What, is, what are you doing? He says, we dance because we cannot fly. So you see, it's like, they have been so impacted by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that sets them free in the midst of this. So anytime we think we, that we can just do this by rote stuff, it's not. It's about who's in the house, and are you freely inspired to let the Holy Spirit come with power? Why do we go over and over again? Why do bishop, we just preach it over? If you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, you cannot do this life thoroughly. Acts chapter 1, 4, verse 8. Wait until the Father sends the gift that he promised you. Don't leave Jerusalem until it comes. When he comes, you'll receive power. You'll become filled with the Holy Spirit. Become my witnesses. Acts chapter 2. Stay there. Boom, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 8. Philip's in Samaria, and he says the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on the believers. And when they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they're baptized in His presence. Acts chapter 19, Paul's in Ephesus. It is so, so important. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, do not even attempt this ministry. And that's why when we tell people about this ministry, when you come, have you ever been, yesterday, were you ever baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, do you speak in tongues? No. Are you afraid? Yes. Okay, I want you to know the Holy Spirit's in charge of this ministry today. We're only the gloves on the hands of the surgeon who does the work, and we never tell the surgeon where this goes. So you gotta be okay with that. And they sign it, and they release the surgeon to do the ministry, right? 
So that, it's very important that we get this. This is fundamental because when people leap out and try to do ministry in deliverance that do not understand what, who's in this person's house and what authority do you think you have to help this person? If you don't have that anchored down, then you can get yourself in trouble. Okay, moving right along. What is the different types of experiences that we see? How do you know if someone is really de- demonized, really tormented, minor, what's, what's the signals? What is, we're gonna dive into this. So I want you to see in G it says, um, the remedy for demonic oppression and deliverance has always been assigned to unbelievers of the power of God. I shared with you last week, when, when you see a person get set free from real oppression, it does something to you. You cannot unsee it. And when, when, Deanna, when Deanna came from Columbia and was with me and we had the demon speak and we cast it out and the woman got set free, she was so excited. Now, she'd been a believer a long time, but Deanna came, she goes, Pastor, God is real. I know he's real. No, no, he's real. Did you see how real he was yesterday? I know. That's why people go with us and do ministry in this. It's, it's so encouraging. Let's put it that way. But we gotta see that the person has to want to be free. That's in G, that's the desire. Okay, move over to, let's look at some of the scriptures. Look at 12.3. Deliverance was central to the ministry of Jesus. Those who, there are denominations that have, have struggled in this area. They struggle with healing for today. They're cessationists that believe that healing died when the apostles died. That's not biblical. We can, I, we can argue that we have and showed that many times here biblically. So there is this argument that healing and deliverance went away when the apostles, we don't need it anymore, we've got the word. Is that true? Well, wow, how come there's so many people struggling? And I want you to see, do this, I, I challenge you. Take the book of Mark and go through and put a little D next to every time Jesus did deliverance, put a little H next to time anyone, anytime he did healing, and put a little K next to kingdom anytime he preached the word. You'll find out, almost one-third, one-third, and one-third was healing, salvation, and deliverance in the book of Mark. So if Jesus did that and considered it, then that makes a whole lot of sense in Mark chapter 16, which we said, these are the signs that will follow them that believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll be able to handle deadly things without harm and lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. It's part of the Great Commission. So that fits. So this idea that, well, we don't have to do that today is... Again, not biblically. I think people will be held accountable. Okay. Look at B on 12.3. The church has also largely ignored demonic oppression among its members, partly due to the theology of some of the true believers cannot be oppressed by demonic spirits. Remember, we dealt with this last week. Can a, can a Christian be possessed? We said no, but they can be oppressed. And we looked at that in quite, right, quite a bit. So they also see some of the craziness around deliverance ministry of how humiliating it can be, embarrassing, and the methodology that's used. And we try to avoid all that. Look at um, D, this is important, we've mentioned it before. As a method of deliverance, the method addressed must be quiet, pastoral, loving, non-humiliating, and very effective, right? And it'll speak for itself. And then we dealt with this, look at the bottom of that page, Mark 1:32. quote, now at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him, Jesus, all who were sick 
and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city, Capernaum, was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick in the various diseases and cast out many demons. And as he was preaching in the synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons, Mark 139. Turn to page 12.4. Matthew 10. <clears throat> this is the case where the 70, we've covered this, I think, where the 72 come back from their preaching, also in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, right? And we see that there in 1017. When the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us when we use your name. And there's the Great Commission. I just quoted that, Mark 16. Now, there's different settings, and this is where it gets a little challenging. And we've had this question this week. When we're in the tent on Friday nights, and there's people that are obviously troubled and tormented, they're being baptized, and some get freedom it's wonderful and beautiful all the way, but then there's others that seem to be repetitively coming back still struggling. And so one of the questions said, what is that? And I said, well, I believe, one, I know that Jesus was very effective, but we have found that when we spend time with an individual and we unpack their life and find out the roots of why, if they're struggling, say, with a spirit of rejection or a spirit of fear and anxiety, well, there's a root there that has to get uncovered. And so the reason we spend five and a half to six hours on average with a, on Tuesdays doing prayer ministry is because the first three hours is tell us your story. Where list, tell me your story. I want to know the story of your life. I realize it's good, it's bad, and it's ugly, but I want you to tell me the really bad and ugly parts right now because in the midst of that, there's a root system that has come up, and Proverbs 23 says, as a person believes in their heart, so it is, whether it's true or false. For them, it is a true statement. It's not the truth, but it's true for them. Recently, a person who's been raped, abused, the father has been destructive, so the distrust of, of authority and the abuse that's there has brought a wound in the soul. And that soul, so it's one thing to go in and be baptized, and I love it, but there's sometimes it has to be, unpack this thing and tell me, who hurt you? What happened to you? And we have them verbalize, I choose. I may not want to, I had one recently tell me, I don't wanna forgive this person. I said, I know, I know that one. But Jesus didn't give you a choice. He hung on a cross just before his death, beaten to a place where you couldn't even distinguish him. And he sits there and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That's the model. So don't tell me there's anything in your life you can't forgive. I know this one. And you, so you, you have to forgive. But I don't want to. I know but you can put your will behind it and you can bless them because he told you to bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, who ruthfully abuse you. That's the kingdom. And you're a kingdom person, therefore behave like a kingdom person. And I don't really want to, I know, I know. But if you'll do it, something will unlock the cage that you're actually in. And you'll also release that person from the cage that they're in. When I forgave my father for his alcoholism and his brokenness, all the justification of the fatherlessness and the brokenness you did, the little boy who was afraid when you would come home and I didn't know what you were gonna be doing that night, is my mom gonna be okay, what are we gonna do? Or you kept me up till four o'clock in the morning telling me your war stories. When I forgave him and no longer looked at him in this abusive, broken father, and I started to have compassion, what would it have been like for me how would I have responded if I went to war at 17, 
saw my friends die, then I commanded men in Korea to die, came back from that with PTSD, and I drank to medicate my pain. I wonder how I would have responded if my dad had left me when I was 11 and ran away with another woman and was involved in the Masonic. So all of a sudden my mind is exploded to, man, he, he did the best he knew how to do. Instead of, you dirty dog father, I forgive you and I have compassion on you. When that happened, shifted shortly after he got saved. Now you explain that to me, there's something we cage people with. That's why forgiveness is not an option. And so this is that place, we've gotta get to the place where we understand that this is a purpose of the kingdom in forgiveness and confession. All right, moving right along. So there are different settings. We got the tent setting, which is really much like a crusade there on the bottom of page 12.4. You got all these people lining up in front of you. There's a lot of beautiful chaos going on. People getting saved, falling out, crying here, baptizing there. People speaking in tongues. Other ones manifest like, yay. You got, you got demonic activity going on. You got flesh activity going on. And you got Holy Ghost going on. And I love it. And how do we distinguish this? Pastor, what do you think that is? I, I don't know. Let's watch what God does here. And, and we wait and we ask the Lord to show us. Right? James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, ask him. What do I do with that? Is it my responsibility? What do I do? I, I don't know yet. Now, if they're going to hurt themselves, and it, yeah, we intervene. So this is a place where I like the personal setting where we can get quiet and personal. And when I love it. When people say, I've told you things I've never told. And I had one yesterday. I just, I've never told anybody about this. What a privilege. Whew. And they feel loved. After six hours, you, you as a senior pastor took, you don't even know me, I don't even attend your, you took six hours with me? Why? Why? You're gonna influence probably 70 people in your immediate sphere. When they see the kingdom and your bag's been unpacked, you as a mother, as a grandmother, you're gonna, why? <laughs> Whew, come on. It is a tremendous, tremendous privilege. That's why I want a whole church that knows how to do this, right? Because you ought to be able, equipped and ready. It's good. But then there's the worship setting. Sometimes, go ahead. Here, add this two cents in here because there's people on live stream. My mom was 94 when she went home. And the week before, (laughs) our loving Miss Addie, brought forgiveness once again because I tried so many times to get her to see the truth in that. She kept saying, I cannot forgive. But when Addie said to her, you are not releasing that person from what they did. You're not allowing what happened to you be okay. She finally got it. So, yeah, we have to forgive. That's not an option. But when you know in your heart that you're not letting it go, meaning those people are going to get away with it. Yeah, it's really pride. It's like, I'm going to make you pay for what you did to me. And Jesus said, wait, I already paid for what you did. And so you got to let it go. What's really amazing is Tess was such a wonderful lady, and she inspired all of us to be but just, was it the year before she died? She never had been able, ever, in 90-something years of life, to put her head underwater. So she wouldn't get water baptized. But she got to a place where she said, 
I think I'm ready. And Pastor Willie and I took her to Pastor Willie's pool. And for the first, we have it on video. And it was an amazing testimony to Pat's family. There goes Mama Tess, who would never go onto the water, but yet for Jesus. Yeah, it was like, so the Lord was setting that up because she needed to forgive and he wanted her baptized before it all. It's like, so God's good. Buckley? I just really, for, for forgiveness, when, you know, if you, if you ever struggle and you feel like you can't, like, I, I praise God, I can't really take credit for this. He just must have put it on me. I had a situation before I was married when I was still dating with this girl and it was so, like, I couldn't, and she, after we broke it off, she wouldn't stop coming up to this thing that was really my thing. And she just kept coming, and I was seething angry with her every time I saw her. And I, like, I started to hate her guts. And I was like, that's not right. That's not okay. That's not a good thing. No, it wasn't good. It's a murdering but, spirit, actually. So <laughs> it says I was, in First John. Right, and I knew it. And the Lord was kind of putting it in my face. And I was like, all right, well, so, Lord, I forget. So every time I felt that, just privately between me and God, I'd be like, God, I forgive her. I mean it in my head, but I'm not feeling it in my heart. Would you make it real in my heart? And I had to, every single time I felt, every time I saw her, like I would be furious again and I would have to pray that. So I just kept doing it over and over every single time. And over the course of months, like the most insane thing happened, and you said the word compassion came out of nowhere. Just it, gradually, it, and I actually a, felt it's sorry Jesus. for Jesus. Yeah. It's actually Jesus' compassion, right? He had compassion on it. Sometimes you got to pray. There are layers. Remember, I think it's um, Neil Anderson says, we're more like onions than we are bananas. It's not one peel and you're done. So sometimes there's levels to this thing. There was a couple of years ago, when I first came into ministry, first year in ministry, Chester might remember this. This couple did not like me, and I exercised some authority over stuff they were doing, and they liked me less. And uh, Chester and the senior pastor invited them not to be part of the church. And, uh, but before that happened, um, they wrote a letter that said, you should fire that guy. I was the associate, and so, um, I went to Steve Mattis and I, they, they didn't give me the letter. They gave a copy to all the elders of the, with a letter and mine was in the mailbox. Talk about a low blow. So I, go, so I get summoned to the senior pastor's office and says, have you read this letter? I said, what letter? And I read the letter I said, whoa. I said, if this is true, you need to fire me right now. But, and so, no, we're not firing you. And within a, a couple of weeks, Chester and the pastor actually uh, uninvited them. And so, but the point was, for years, I carried this, and I, and I would do that. Lord, I need to forgive them. Lord, I really, you know, not every month. I, you know, it was like this would come up, come up, come up. And then the Lord set me up one day. That morning, I got my cup of coffee. I'm in my cut-off PJs with a ripped up shirt and got my coffee. It's early morning, and I'm praying for them. I hadn't prayed in a while. I said, Lord, I, you know, and I said, you know what? I think I believe this prayer. I think, I think I really do bless them. My doorbell rings, bing bong, 8.30 in the morning. This guy worked for the city and my contractor who was putting an extension on the house had called for an inspection. This guy shows up at my door at 8.30 in the morning, bing bong, and he's as shocked as I'm in, you know, my hair's not combed, my co I'm, I'm like, yeah. And so he goes, he looks at the permit, he goes, this your house? <laughs> yeah, what, oh yeah, that's my contractor, he goes, Oh, well, I'm here doing an inspection. I said, man, can we get over our past? He goes, man, I, I want to. Well, I'm out there on the front porch hugging this guy in my PJs. My driver, the guys are going by like, I knew that pastor was really strange. <laughs> He's hugging some man in the morning on his porch. <laughs> Golly, I'm like, hey. But I really, it was that revelation of all of a sudden, like, I really believe I forgive him. 
Like, yay. So keep on keeping on, regardless of how long it might take. Okay, moving right along. So we want to see that when we're ministering to the sick, sometimes the demonic activity, remember the spirit of infirmity. Look at, on page 12.5, when ministering to the sick, all of a sudden a spirit of pain can manifest, right? Sometimes, now, not every pain, obviously, is demonic. We're not looking for demons under every rock, right? There are people that really, I really injured my shoulder, but there are times when that's an, a, a, a spirit of infirmity that is operating. So we shared a couple of weeks ago, if that thing starts to move around, you start laying hands on it, and it goes from this shoulder to over, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we often, oftentimes, as part of the distraction, like the foaming at the mouth or the statement, I'm gonna kill you when I come out, they're all liars, and they, you know, so there'll be a manifestation. I remember recently we were doing this person from another state come in, and she says, oh my gosh, I'm feeling all this pain right now. Oh, we're right at the point where she's forgiving, and all of a sudden she's getting these severe stomach cramps. They said, in the name of Jesus, that pain's gonna stop right now. She goes, it's gone. To cover, because it knows, you keep going, you're, first you're coming out. So they will try a distraction, either verbally, they'll, they'll, make st- they'll cause pain, they'll cause some kind of drama. That's why Jesus was not very moved by it. Now, there are times when you have to intervene. Pastor Willie tells of a story, and he, 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 <laughs> it really moved his boat, right? We're in Tanzania, and we're in the, the, the demon tent, and there's people manifesting. They brought this 110-pound girl in, and Pastor Willie's doing deliverance, and all of a sudden, she starts manifesting. Well, I got Jerry Coley on one leg. I got Pastor Willie on one arm. We got an air marshal with arms as big as my head on this side, of, and we're doing deliverance on this, and she goes, I was put here in blood sacrifice. And all of a sudden, she's laying there on the ground. You can't do this in the natural. And Pastor Willie weighs what? 160, 70 pounds, right? She does this. Pastor Willie's up in the air. He goes. So so what is that all about? It's, again, it's a form of intimidation. But they're limited in what they can do, right? They'll try all the craziness, but they, so does the devil have power? Sure he has power just doesn't have power over the born-again believer who knows their authority in Christ, right? So it's part of that is to bring fear and intimidation. That's part of his deal. When he says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Well, then who did? Right? He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. So, you know, it doesn't, part of that Fear is to, to make you feel afraid, and, and, and men, sometimes they do a pretty good job of that. Okay, look at the uh, distinguishing between, bottom of the way, page 12.5, distinguishing the demonic from Holy Spirit manifestation. Sometimes it's really clear, but sometimes it's not. I remember, was Christine, Christine's not here, I always tease her on this one. Um, years ago, one of our um, guys, he was in, Wow, he was 80, he'd been a long time Christian, seen a lot of stuff, southern as southern gets, right? And uh, Christine, when she, when the Holy Spirit would come on her, she'd go, oh, she still does, oh, like Cheryl goes, where's Cheryl? <laughs> that's her manifestation. So I know that that's not demonic, that's Cheryl, right? And so on me, it's the electrocution. So, okay, so she goes, oh, oh. Well, the southern guy's coming out, said, you want me to cast that demon out of you? He goes, that's the Holy Spirit, you knucklehead. It's like, so be careful. Sometimes you think, 
you know, that, can that be God? They're over there they're doing all these. Sunday, uh, Friday night, man, we had fun in the tent. I don't know who the lady was. I think they were visiting. She got so full of laughter. It was like, it was wild, right? In fact, uh, is Edwin here? <laughs> I, I, I kidded Edwin. Edwin, I said, come here, put your hands on Edwin. And he's been laughing ever since. Come on, even on Monday night, right? The spirit of joy jumped on him. So what's the point? She's laughing all over the place. And she, she's like, oh my God, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, don't tell my husband. I said, honey, you're on live stream, baby. She goes, oh, you know, she's like, it was just, so hey, sometimes it's like, is it okay to have fun in church? Well, that's not very spiritual. Hey, I'm telling you what, laughter's like a medicine. And they went home, and I just suggested she not drive. In fact, I think it was Sunday, <laughs> poor Andrew, I'm trying to leave the church, and he's laid out here, there, and you have to walk around him to get around, the, and, and he calls me, he goes, I don't think I can drive home. <laughs> Is that okay? Is it okay to have fun in church? Is it okay for power to be in the house? You know? Now, people say, well, that's not very spiritual. Is that God? Where's that in the book? Well, it says Jesus got filled with joy in Luke 10, right? When they come back from this. So, hey. But, hey, there are times when it does look really wild. Look at the bottom of that page. If a person's harming themselves, biting, scratching, some of those things become obvious, right? If it's self-destructive behavior, then that's probably understanding that there's something else. So turn the page, 12.6. The physical appearance, sometimes, such signs might include things like refusal to make eye contact. The reason you wanna, this is different for most of us Christians. Don't pray with your eyes closed. When you're ministering to someone, pray with your eyes open, because you're watching. It's a good way to get whacked, and the other thing is, it's also, you wanna watch for what you're seeing. One of the symptomatic things of that is you'll start to see, right? We shared last week, it was uh, Trisha's event, I think that's in page, um, uh, let's see, in the book, that's the Manchester, England one. Well, anyway, where Pat's praying for the, the lady who just had a double mastectomy, and she manifests by this, and like, okay, that's not Holy Spirit presence, right? That's something else. That's an indication. So we set her up for prayer ministry the next day. So we wanna look at, some things that are even subtle, people will be in worship and they'll start to feel sick. They'll feel like nausea. That's a symptom of, or a sign usually of witchcraft at times. There's a place where they wanna run. I just wanna get out of here. I, 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 I gotta get out of here, right? Or they'll go into a catatonic state. We had one sitting right over here. I think I shared this a few weeks back maybe. Sitting right over here, she came to the church first time. During worship, she went into a catatonic state, sat there frozen like a statue. Her friend who brought her tried to get her out at the end, but finally said, we went through all through worship, all through the sermon, she's still there, not moving, like. And so Sarah, where's my daughter Sarah, and Miss Addie and several others stayed after and was quite a while trying to get her the personality to come back. One, not even sure she was a believer, and she had a bunch of open doors. And again, the enemy tried to prevent any activity from happening. So I think it was Sarah said, well, we're not getting through, so Lord, what do we want to do? Let's take her into the sunlight. So like at two o'clock in the afternoon, service over an hour and a half, they called me and says, soon as we brought her to the front door and got her in the sunlight, the human personality came back, and she said, where am I, right? 
Miss, Miss Addie, okay, She's not taking credit for it. Good, Sarah. Um, so anyway, so th- what, what happened? There's times, I remember doing my prayer ministry. I was with, uh, I was being taught by uh, a Southern Belle in her 80s. She was an amazing lady. And uh, my first deliverance I had ever seen a demon speak I'm ministering to this woman who had a lot of anger towards her husband, and we're at Fort Caswell, and we're doing the training, and I'm in my last session of training to be certified. And uh, I'm, they put me with the Southern Bell who had you know, thousands of deliverance experiences, and all of a sudden this woman speaks in a male voice says, I don't like you. And I'm like, and the, the Southern Bell lady says, I said, you're coming, so I, get, uh, I go on the offensive. In the name of you, you're coming out, and you're gonna, and nothing's happening. And the sudden lady goes, Pastor, won't you let me handle this? <laughs> handle this. Okay. Honey, tell me about your children. Human person, oh, I have three children. I was like, note to self. <laughs> Women like to talk about their children. You know, they'll talk about them. And so she says, all right, tell me about your father. Don't you want to forgive your father? And she goes through this whole thing. All right, pastor, you can take it now. You already did all the hard work. Okay. Yeah. What's the point? Sometimes you got to get the human personality to a place where you can intervene so they can forgive and confess. It was all about father, father's abuse in that. And she knew it by word of knowledge. It was amazing. So, so again, what are some of the manifestations well, obviously, if there's hissing and clawing and foul language, you know, you know, I remember Russ, Russ um, Hamilton, who was our AV, he's in heaven now. He goes to the deli at, Fort, at Food Lion, right? He says, I like a half a pound of ham. All of a sudden, I just want ham, you know? <laughs> I know who you are. I just want a half a pound. <laughs> the devil knows who you are. Right, it's like it, it, when they start hissing. You're trying to check out at the store, and it's like, good lord, because the devil knows who you are, right? All right. Sometimes the voice, the change, it, it's a real clue when, when the we're in a different foreign country and they speak in English in a male voice, and that is, yeah, that becomes really okay. They can, they can want to take off too. I remember this is again. I don't suggest you do deliverance in an unsafe place. We were in Santa Dame, and they decided we needed a special room where we could do this. This is a place where it's really wicked. If you read in my book, this was a place that was a really wicked place. Lots of open doors, of a lot of uncleanness, and uh, so they said, "Well, we have a room on the on the on the roof." Well, there's a roof. And the only, there's no gate or anything. It's about that high before you fall off two stories. And like, I didn't even go with my team. We got, all of a sudden we're happening. People are manifesting. I'm in the street with a guy is in a position that you cannot physically do it. And I'm with one of our guys and we're doing that. So my team goes up on the roof to do these other deliverances. And there was a guy named uh, Rick Byersdorf. Rick Byers, a big guy, played football and everything, but he was afraid of bugs. And I remember being in a bus and a cockroach went on. He said it was as big as his feet. And he's, but I needed Rick on that ministry because all of a sudden there's a guy who manifests on the roof and wants to kill himself and jump off the roof. And he's, I don't suggest you ever do deliverances on a roof. So the, 
So this guy is in a full run to go off the roof, and Rick body slams him, does one of those football moves, puts him on the ground. Again, note to self, let's find the right places. We do deliverance, right? Wouldn't have been great for Randy Clark's ministry if the guy had committed suicide jumping off the roof in a demon fit. But the Lord intervened. Question. So last summer, I did. Uh, we were at a restaurant, our family, and this server did. Um, I didn't know then what I know now, but I said, "I swear, this guy has to be possessed or oppressed, or whatever." He was saying awful things to me, and my husband and son were just looking at him. He's like, "What is going on?" And it knew it. And there was a uh, very, dare I say, warlock-ish kind of dark person in the corner, and he would go back and forth to them too. Wow. And I didn't. So what do you do? Then I, I was sitting in shock. I'm like, am I, does he hate women? Like, what is going on yeah, yeah. here? But it was Good. very much, now that I know what I know. So it was, it was a tormenting spirit to humiliate you, make accusations against you, call your names? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and could be, maybe he wanted your husband to punch him out which wouldn't have been good either. So again, don't take the bait. So what I would recommend on something like that is, um, in fact, there's one on YouTube, I think it was Dell sent me tonight, one of the doctors at Planned Parenthood comes out and they're, they're standing right outside the Planned Parenthood facility and the doctor manifests, talks really like, I like to kill babies and all, I mean, it's really, really wicked. So what do you do, what he did was the right thing. He says, sir, you need to know Jesus. I don't want to know Jesus. I'll never want to know Jesus. Well, you got a dark heart. That's right. It was really, you could hear the dark. It was really, really sad. So what you do is bind it. You don't cast the spirit out because, again, he's not willing. So what, if, whatever that spirit is, if, you, if you're sensing violence, anger, bitterness, remember Hebrews 5.14, mature believers have trained themselves to discern the spirit of good and evil. So what am I feeling? I'm feeling one, your husband's gonna probably, you talk to my wife that way? We're gonna have a little laying hands on session here, right? You don't want that to happen because maybe that's exactly what the enemy wants to get your husband arrested, right? For, so what do you do? What's the spirit? Intimidation, humiliation, anger, hatred against you, hates women. So what do you, in the name of Jesus, I just bind that spirit of violence, anger, hatred, humiliation. You can't operate against me. The power of Jesus is here. And... Man, when I run into those kind of things where I know something's going down, we got to get into it right then and there. And call out the spirit and bind it. Don't cast it out because once you start casting it out, this was a problem they had in Brazil and the reason they brought us in to do the ministry was they would go and as soon as someone manifested in the church or in the setting, they'd start speaking in tongues, they'd start pouring water on them and that just gets the devil all wound up, right? No, 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 peace. In the name of Jesus, pass. In nome de Jesus, pass. And then when they come back, do you want to be free from this? Do you want to engage? Yes. Then let's go to a quiet place. We'll get some people who know how to do this, and let's unpack what's authorizing this. One, are you a believer? Do you want to be? Would you like the Holy Spirit to fill your life so you have power over this? Yes. So find out what spirit's operating. That's why we spent a lot of time asking you to ask the Holy Spirit, what's here right now? And it's critical in your ministry time when you're ministering to the person, you're hearing the story What's the spirit behind the person, what you're hearing? Abuse, rape, humiliation, hatred towards men. What's, what is it that I'm hearing right now, and it's true. If this woman recently had been raped and abused and broken, had a child had been raped, it's like, 
So her hatred towards those who have taken something. So there's anger and hatred and it's justifiable anger, right? Be angry and sin not. That's the hard part. So we have to get to a place, can you forgive the perpetrators? We're not excusing what they did, but we can forgive them so that you can be set free. So pay attention to the spirit that's operating behind what you're hearing. Yes, Katie. I bet it is. Um, when you had people that give you the glary eyes that don't know they're giving it to you and they keep on giving it to you, that means you need to ask the Lord what's going on. And, you know, I was in a situation before where I would go to this certain place and every time and it was like, like even though... I could just tell in this person's body language and, you know, giving me the glary eyes. And I thought, Lord, what's going on? And I thought, and the Lord was showing me that this person didn't like that they are getting convicted. And so this person isn't even saved yet that I feel like the Lord's done showing me, you know, to just go love this person somehow. Yeah, Katie, I, I know the situation you're talking about. Remember the scripture that says, the kingdom of life smells like death to those who are perishing. It's a stink of death. So when you carry the spirit, you wonder why when we would um, do the you know, 40 days for life, put a piece of tape on your mouth for life, and all of a sudden you get the most violent responses, not just finger flashing stuff. I'm talking about things that they want to hurt. What is that? That spirit has just manifested. It's a murdering spirit that is now manifested as hatred against you. So when someone's glaring, so the, the question is when somebody's glaring at you, they're probably sensing the kingdom of God in you and they don't like it. The devil doesn't like it. So now what do I do with that? Well, you can pray for them. If it gets to be something worse, then you just, just keep praying and bind that spirit. Okay, moving right along. Open doors. This is real important because we want to know... Um, well, let me pick up and see. I think this is important. We already said this. In uh, 20, page 12.7c, you need to be personally prepared. You need to have this ministry be focused on love because this is not about power. It's about love. And the order is important. The other thing we see sometimes in crusade settings is it's like several people want to take the lead and cast a demon out of somebody. There needs to be one leader, yeah. right? And the others, that's why when we do prayer ministry, we always identify who's lead and who are the supports, right? And we always have a gender. If there's a woman present, we have a woman present. If the man is there, we have a man present. Um, or both women could minister to a woman or both men could minister to a man. So one, that's for your protection as well as the individual's protection. There's always a witness present. And so, but your personal preparation matters because the demons respect authority. When there's multiple people shouting things, it's like, no. Let one person lead the strategy of that uh, ministry session. Yes. I think it says in module 11. I think it says in module 11 that when you're doing that, and like say it was us, and we just got all hopped up and and we, we jumped in there, and we would usurp your authority, and it would stop things from happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've seen that happen. Yeah. Yeah, so 
And it's, so, so let one person lead it and, and decide, because that strategically shows there's a leader involved and there's support people in the midst of it. And so, we, we've already covered this, but it says, make sure the person's will's engaged. If the person is unwilling to change their lifestyle, we recently, I think it was recently, had one of our team leads stop, or not stop the ministry, but in the midst of the session, found out there were open doors that were there, and the person was not able at that point or unwilling to close those doors. Example, I had, um, a while back, I had a person who was an alcoholic, was a functional alcoholic, but had gotten to a place where the alcoholism and the addiction was now, they're gonna lose their job, family was in distress. So came to prayer ministry and said, um, well, I don't wanna stop drinking, I just want my alcohol to be in check so I can work. I said, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Once the spirit of addiction, remember Matthew 12, if there's a spirit of addiction operating, you cannot give the addiction anything to work with. So it's either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Are you willing to be sober the rest of your life and never touch a drink? If the answer to that is yes, we'll continue with the ministry. If not, we gotta put it on hold. We ended up putting it on hold. And so, again, this is that place where, well, I don't want to stop sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, um, that's called fornication, and it's, it's not allowed in the book. And so, therefore, that spirit of lust and seduction and rebellion, rebellion in 1 Samuel 15 is the spirit of witchcraft. So you want to invite witchcraft into your presence of your relationship because you don't want to comply with the word. Can't do it, right? I'm sorry. I love you too much to bring, bring seven worse on you. Well, that's, you gotta, no, we don't have to. Until you get to a place where you're willing to make him the Lord, we cannot do this. We can set you up for worse things to happen. That's why do not jump in and start casting demons out of people until you see where they are in their willingness and what doors are open, okay? That's why we take time. When, when Pat contacts a person for prayer ministry, they'll take Several weeks, well now we're so backed up until October, they, they get the journal and they start, minister, they start praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, who do I need to forgive? What do I need to confess? They get dreams, they get revelation, they get visions, and like when they come in, they're so prepared that they want to be set free, and it's like the Holy Spirit's already done a lot of the work. And so that's why the process is very effective. And so, okay, whoo here we go. Um, if a person's unwilling, don't do it. Contrary to an agreement the person has made with Satan, if there are demonic agreements, um, I shared with you last week, when, when the lady who has said, if I go into open heart surgery, I'll die on the table, Brenda Matthews, that was an agreement. It's actually a curse agreement. So when she goes on the table, she actually is gonna die on the table until that's renounced. And so... If there's agreement, that's why parents, what you speak over children. Oftentimes, I recently had someone, yeah, my parents took me, um, this person was from another state, came in and said, when I lived in this other country, um, my parents would take me to Santeria and they would take the blood of the chicken and they would pour it all over me and they would speak these things into me. And said, okay, so now you have a blood sacrificed agreement with a demonic presence. No wonder your life has been a mess. So until we renounce that agreement and for, ask that we take authority now that what was ever agreed to me or you've been to a psychic or you've been to a medium we always say what did the psychic say to you what was the mediums what did they project over you 
Can you remember? Well, yeah. Um, they said I would die at an early age. Oh, really? They said I'd never make it. My marriages would, be, would fail. Oh, really? Those are curses that have to be broken and renounced. And it's not enough to just say I forgive. Lots of examples in here where people were Christians and confessed, but they never renounced the curse. And there's one in here that's pretty dramatic that Pat and I often do drama on, <laughs> which you can read about. Okay. Um, so what are the open doors? Open doors at the bottom of page seven. Hate, abuse, sin, unclean relationships, illness, trauma. Circum- those are open doors that need to be dealt with in order to, because demons, turn to page 12.8. Demons are very legalistic. typically refusing to leave a person unless the avenues of entrance are renounced by the host person. The object of deliverance ministry, according, is twofold. Expel and drive out the demon and close the avenue of access. I think we've covered that pretty well tonight. The Holy Spirit is righteousness. What's amazing is this is an incredible statement. Jesus says this, when you remit someone's sins, their sins are remitted. Wow. And remember, we're priests, right? We're royal priesthood. First Peter chapter two says, you're living stones born into the temple of God and you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're all priests, right? That's why when he says we're to empower, the fivefold ministry is to empower the saints to do the works of ministry, Hebrews 4, 11 and 12. So this is a place where you have authority as the priest to go after this but there is also this need that we see that we've got to have the avenue closed and this righteousness, when you confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, if I confess my sin to him, he's, he is faithful and just to forgive me from all unrighteousness. When I spend six hours with someone and they've done as thorough a job, is there anyone else you need to forgive? I can't think of anyone else. Well, let's just generically, anyone who's hurt me at any time, betrayed me, I forgive them, Lord, forgive them. What happens? There's a shift. And that person walks out, and if they've ever been clean, there's a place of cleanness. Your sins have been remitted. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not forgiven. Don't let the devil bring up the stuff that you've already, because it is illegal to make Jesus pay a second time. If you've confessed it, it is under the blood for the glory of God, and you can remind the devil where he's going, because that is no longer who I am. That's why when you guys knew Michael Thornton, I loved his, t- he would get up there, he goes, yeah, I was a homosexual pimp for 10 years. I'm like, wow, he's really free. <laughs> now, he's got five kids and married, and I think he's really free, but, but it's like, He would get up there, and I remember people saying, if he can give that kind of a testimony and know he's free, there's no longer pride, there's no longer fear, there's no more shame, there's no more guilt. He's really free. Now, you don't need to tell your testimony to everybody if you don't, but what I'm saying, he used that as part of his ability to evangelize. I remember sitting, we were in Magnolia, and there was a woman in the back. She wouldn't even come up. Michael's given his testimony on a flatbed truck. She's in the very back of the field, and I love to go in the back of the field and like, who's back here? What's going on? And this woman crying her eyes out, and I said, are you okay? She goes, and Michael was telling his story of, of being pimped out for money as a homosexual. I'm like, wow, he's pretty raw. Goes, and she's going, if, 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 he can get, if he can get free from that, I can get free from that, right? I said, yes, you can. 
That testimony broke that thing right open. So this is that place where, look, when you're set free, the Holy Spirit does the work. And we can that's really good news. That's why it's good news. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to burn in hell ever. Okay, and we're going to land this plane. The, um, John Bevere teaching that we all forget is such a simple thought, uh, but the spirit of offense that actually kicks your butt. Yes. Right. You yeah. want to do it? Yeah, we, uh, we did that book. We might need to do it again, but if you're offended, most of the time you'll justify your offense. I'm really hurt. You really sinned against me. Yeah, that's why Matthew 18 says if someone sins against you, go to them privately and deal with it. Don't gossip sideways. Talk to the person privately. Matthew 5, and I had to do one of these this week. In Matthew 5, somebody doesn't attend our church. I sensed there was something going on in a transaction we had done. And so I just said, hey, so-and-so, we, need, we okay? We need to do Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says, if you think someone has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled. So I called and said, uh, are we okay? I think that he goes, pastor, we are really okay. I said, okay, I'm just closing the Matthew 5 doors. Okay, good. So Pay attention to what you're feeling and close the doors and be good with Jesus because if you'll do that, you don't authorize the devil to kill, steal, and destroy in your life. Okay, we're on page 12.9. So we'll pick up, this is good. Um, We'll pick up on page, this is the model. So I'd really like you to dive into looking at this this coming week. We're gonna start to get into the destiny model and we're actually gonna do some mock models here. We're gonna walk through this. I'm gonna have you take notes on when the person says this, what's the spirit that you're hearing behind what's being said? So we're gonna start doing the model because I I really want you to get the model down in, like we did in the salvation model and the the healing model, right? You wanna get to a place where it starts to become natural. When you start thinking about it in in the, kind of in the big context, what are you gonna do first? You're gonna pray protection over yourself and those you're ministering to. By the authority of the blood of Jesus, you're gonna find out is the person saved because we already shared, if they're not, don't do the ministry. So again, we start to combine the models. Pray for protection, put your shield of protection around you. Revelation chapter 12, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, Psalm 91, Deuteronomy 28, those who live in covenant with me are protected, right? He has, he blesses us coming and going. So you're you're gonna build the protective circuit then you're gonna validate that they're born again because Jesus is the one that's setting this person free and we just become the emissaries who are the gloves on the hands of the surgeon while they do, he does the open heart surgery and we're just listening when we get in, what is that that they're just telling us that has caused that wound? What's the lie that they believe? I'll never amount to anything. I'm always gonna be rejected because I always have been rejected. I'm a loser because I'm the black sheep of the family. That's what my dad always called me. What are you hearing in the midst of the storytelling of that spirit and what's the lie? What's the curse spoken over them? And we'll talk about bookkeeping, how we do that. And then, because you're keeping that as a record. And then, it's so glorious when you get to a place where they've listed all the people that they wanna forgive and then they've got this confession list and they start down and we shift into what is the courtroom setting where we are in the third heaven, right? And we're seated there with them. Jesus says you're seated with him in the right, in the right hand of the Father, right? With Jesus in the third heaven. And it's like, 
No, we're right here, yes, but from a legal aspect, you just opened a courtroom. And in fact, Malachi 3.16 says a, a record, a scroll of remembrance is written for those who love to honor the name. There is a legal record kept in heaven as a result of what's taking place. I'm getting zapped right now. It's being recorded right now. And so when that happens, the whole ability of the enemy to manipulate and control after that, they lose the power. You may have the memory of a rape or a brokenness or a murder. You may have all that, but it no longer has you. When that happens, man, the shift, your whole ability to testify and to be free from that sets a whole thing in motion that will affect your families and those who come in your pathway. All right, let's stand and let's, so Lord, I thank you right now, Father, for what you're doing. Lord, I'm thanking you that you're raising up a whole bunch of equipped believers who are not ashamed of the gospel and they know their authority and they know the boundaries by which they can operate in. So Lord, I thank you. I'm excited for all that you do. I pray a special blessing now over all the families represented here, the extended families. I speak peace. Any door that is cracked open, anything that's been said tonight that's like, oh my, and the the Holy Spirit has kind of put a finger on it. No fear. Let truth prevail. Because when Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. So if there's anyone here tonight that does not know Jesus, I want to pray with you tonight. I'm going to invite several of our ministry team members. Just had a sense Come on, I need at least three or four of our ministry team members to come on up. <clears throat> Chris, would you come up? Phyllis, would you come up? Patricia, uh, B. I just want to ask that if you're here tonight and the Lord wants to do something deep within your spirit or in your house, your home, your family, if you're not born again, you don't know if tonight was your last night and you don't know where you're going, do not leave this place. If you're on live stream, call in. Designated on. We we want to pray for you. So I pray special protection, a hedge of protection right now, in the name of Jesus, that the devil cannot intimidate. That whatever he was operating in, his power is broken. Lord, you're able to undo, outdo, and overdo any scheme or tactic the enemy has. There is a one whose name is Jesus, and he is greater than anything in this universe. And every subject will come into subjection to him. And we thank you, Lord, now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Please come for prayer. Please come.